Hello everyone, my name is Dr. Fergal Armstrong and welcome to Lifestyle Matters with Dr. Savina. Hello Savina, how are you? Good, thanks Fergal, and yourself? I'm very well. So I thought today we'd have a general chit-chat around diet and how diet applies to lifestyle medicine. So we're not going to delve deep into any one particular diet, we're just going to kind of give a gentle introduction. So, so my first question to you is, to what extent does diet influence health? And that's a very good question because we've talked about that several times about, you know, how, you know, diet accounts for nutrition, accounts for about 80% of, um, you know, for example, weight loss and how it plays such a huge role in chronic disease prevention. Exercise generally accounts for the remainder of it. Um, and we, lots of us, as you know, we've pointed out before, um, you love saying it, Virgil, you know, you can't exercise your way out of a bad diet. That's your favorite catchphrase, isn't it? No, you cannot. <laughs> so I think this is going to be a great, you know, um, 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 video because we're going to be talking about the biggest part about, you know, preventative health, which is our diet. Exactly. And but, I, I am reminded of one of the Greek philosophers that said, let your, let your food be your medicine and your medicine be your food. And I, and I cannot think of a better way of describing the core, the core role, the, the crux that diet provides for the, the whole of lifestyle medicine. And you've mentioned that it helps with uh, weight loss. But, you know, I mean, diet, diet and the right kind of diet is essential for the prevention and management of, you know, heart disease, stroke, depression, cancer, joint pains. You know, I, I cannot, in, in all honesty, I'm not sure I can think of any one particular con medical condition that cannot be positively impacted by the right kind of diet. Would you agree with that? Or can you think of even one diagnosis? Well, not really. In fact, you know, and I, there's a lot of actually lots of trials that are also being carried out about diet and, you know, yeah. disease prevention, like some of the diseases that you've discussed, which we will be yeah. diving into in the later episodes. But um, yeah. there's such great emphasis on it because everyone's realized the importance of mm. it. So if you had to summarize the diet that we as lifestyle physicians advise in one sentence, what would you say? Okay, so that's a very hard one. <laughs> I think whatever diet that we end up choosing needs to be something that you can actually sustain. It needs to be a sustainable diet. There is no point doing a diet that you can do, you know, for three months or six months or a year even if you can sustain it, but then not carry on after that. Um, and that's where I think most of the failures happen when it's not a sustainable diet. So what would your basic advice be around diets, Virgil? So I say to people that if they can't, you know, if they, or if they don't want to go into the minutiae of diet, I say, look, any diet that you do has to be a sustainable. And we as lifestyle physicians recommend a whole food, plant-based diet that minimizes junk food, processed foods. So then we, that, that then usually stimulates a discussion on, well, what exactly is a whole food? What is a plant-based uh, diet? So, Savina, what, what are whole foods and what are plant-based diets? So for whole foods are basically as simply as, you know, imagining where your food's coming from. So if you can, you know, imagine an apple, it's fallen from a tree and it's arrived, well, you know, a few steps between and it's arrived at your plate. 
um, that would be a whole food. So, you know, your fresh fruits and vegetables would be one of them, whole greens, things that have been least amount of process that's happened to them, really. That would be what I would classify as whole foods. Um, and obviously, plant-based diet would be plant-based foods, really, and yeah. minimizing the amount of meat intake, um, especially yeah. red meat. Yeah. Um, so, so we know that actually processed meat is a class one. Well, according to the World Health Organization, processed meat is a carcinogen. And we know that actually red meat is known to increase your risk of, of, can, of cancer, especially of the bowel. So, yes, we do need to minimize our, our consumption of red meat. And there are health benefits to actually substituting red meat with other kinds of foods. But overall, plants are medicines. This is what I say to people. The more plants, the more vegetables that you eat, the more of the pill, the more of the lifestyle pill you're taking, the more of the weight loss pill you're taking. So lots of my female patients, when I advocate for a plant-based diet, they talk about, you know, the fact that they need to eat red meat to get their iron because lots of them suffer with iron deficiency. What would yeah. your advice be around that, Virgo? Well, with the right kind of balance in your diet, you don't actually need to eat meat to get iron. And so we know that actually spinach, gram for gram, spinach has got more iron in it than red meat, gram for gram. So, you know, we wouldn't think of twice about eating a, a 300 gram steak, would you? But, you know, would you really eat 300 grams of spinach? But, you know, that, that, so that's one thing. It's for, you need to have a rich and varied diet, which includes a lot of green leafy greens. So, you know, vegetables like spinach, and kale, these are very high in iron content. And the second thing is we need to actually try and increase the amount that is absorbed. And we know that the iron in vegetables is less easily absorbed than the iron in, in uh, red meat. And so we need vitamin C in our diets to actually help absorb the plant-based iron you know, much, much more easily. So with those two things in mind, I believe that it is perfectly reasonable for for people not to have to eat meat for, um, for to, to, to maintain normal iron. But, you know, there are always people, when we, when we uh, provide consultations, Savina, both you and I do see people with, with iron deficiency syndromes. And, you know, the question is, if, if you're seeing someone with an iron deficiency syndrome, would you tell them to eat more steak or would you tell them to, would you treat that problem with, uh, investigations of why they're losing iron and then possibly oral supplementation or even intravenous supplementation. You know, I think that lifestyle medicine has a, has a, plays a significant part in how I manage my patients, but it doesn't exclude the possibility of, you know, pills. What would you say to that, Savina? Yeah, I, I would say, you know, um, it comes down to you know, really how bad their iron deficiency is and you know if they're symptomatic yeah. or not and how far aggressive yeah. I would treat them. I would, yeah. you know, if it's a mild deficiency, then obviously we'll try lifestyle first, so yeah. dietary changes yeah. and things. And, and obviously if that's yeah. a bit lower, then we talk about the medications and infusions yeah. that you've described. Yeah. Um, so, But another thing to think about in terms of red meat is everyone thinks, well, people who say to me, oh, look, what about the iron in red meat? Isn't that healthy? Another way of thinking about it is gram for gram, the more red meat we eat, the higher our risk of diabetes it becomes. You know, heme iron and the consumption of heme iron is, is positively correlated with the incidence of diabetes. So, you know, it's also correlated with the risk of cancer. 
So red meat is not is not uh, the panacea for all our ills. You know, we, you know, I'm not saying don't eat meat. I'm saying eat it in moderation. And I'm saying be aware of the established risks. And it's not just cancer, is it? Saturated fats and things that you get from red meat too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's where I well, struggle when... Yeah. Well, again, I mean, if we're, we're moving on to the, the, the saturated fat argument, you know, even chicken breast, right? <clears throat> chicken breast without the skin, where there's no fat on it, still contains 23% saturated fat, right? That's a lot. That's a lot. So, so the bottom line is meat contains saturated fat. And if we, we actually look at, you know, the average um, cholesterol in, in, in people who have various kinds of diet, there is actually a progression of a descending amount of LDL depending on how vegetarian the diet becomes. And this is important because... We know that if your total cholesterol is less than 3.8 millimoles, or uh, I don't know what that is. I think that might be 150 milligrams per deciliter in American units. But if, if your total cholesterol is less than 3.8, you will not have progression of coronary artery disease. If your LDL is less than 1.8, you are unlikely to have progression of coronary artery disease. So it's really important to consider the, the need to reduce these parameters and, and diet is one way of doing it. So we know that omnivores on average, now bearing in mind that there's a, a wide range of this, omni, omnivores on average have a LDL of 3.2. Lacto-ovo-vegetarians, i.e. people who eat dairy, people who eat eggs, have a have an average of an LDL of... 2.6. Um, 2.6. And then... Uh, Lacto-vegetarians, so people who eat dairy but don't eat eggs, have a LDL of 2.26. And then vegans have an LDL of 1.8. 1.8. So uh, the average vegan has an LDL that is at the level at which, or at which you will not get progression of coronary artery disease. But that's so not easy, can, is it, to achieve? It's, look, I'm not telling people to become vegan, you know, but people who choose veganism as a, as a lifestyle, as a diet, are known to have low LDL. So if you've got a disease process that is the progression of which is dependent on LDL, well, you know, becoming a vegan or at least trying to reduce your meat content in your diet is beneficial. Definitely. But yeah, as you said, not everyone can be a vegan. It's not actually an easy diet. Have you tried it, Vogel? <laughs> I tried. I, I actually, it was hard. I tried. Yes, I tried once. I, I lasted yeah. a day. Yeah. But, you know, speaking of veganism, since we we're talking about that, I have actually found that and um, with having a vegan diet, you can do it in a healthy way or you can do it in an unhealthy way. And there are some vegans who actually eat quite a lot of processed versions of vegan vegan food. And that actually comes with a lot of added salt um, and, um, you know, preservatives and things like that. So just because, you know, if someone listens to this and say, I'm going to become a vegan, just be wary about the choices we make. So it still comes down to what we were starting off, you know, whole food plant-based diet. So that's yeah. basically the I mean, crux of it, I reckon. Veganism is not entirely healthy because, you know, chips and beer are vegan. But if you eat too many chips and beer, you're going to have problems, aren't you? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But I guess it comes down to, you know, in the end, 
what you know how we started off saying any diet will work for as long as it's sustainable um yeah. but the idea is that you know if we actually look at other factors what other factors might we actually um look at when we're trying to pick a diet for ourselves well you know the, the, there's a lot said about all the various types of dietary patterns right and I think before we go into specific diets, specific dietary patterns and matching them up to, to the specific diseases, I think there's a couple of basic principles. There's been a lot, there's a, there's a lot of competition, right? Some people advocate, you know, vegetarian diets. Some people advocate um, high fat, high, high protein diets, low carb diets. And there's, all, there's been a lot of toing and froing and arguing about which is the better kind of diet. And Savino, is, is there evidence of superiority for any one particular diet over another diet, as far as you're aware? I think when it comes down to certain medical conditions, which we would talk about, you know, in terms of research, there are certain diets that would, you know, tick off a few couple of extra boxes. But in the end, I think they're all pretty much on the same playing ground, you know, if they're sort of sticking to the same idea of the whole food, you know, minimizing preservatives, minimizing red meat. There's a lot of, you know, the same things, the same tunes that they're singing, just a few tweaks here and there, essentially. That's what I've found by reading with all the different diets. Um, in the end, it's about reducing your calorie intake. Um, and what we find is that when you start reducing your calorie intake, your basal metabolic rate also reduces. Um, and that's when people actually start getting, I suppose, hitting a plateau. So, you know, how when we start following a diet, sometimes we might be doing, you know, having massive weight loss. And then after a few months down the track or several months down the track, depending on your body, we might hit a plateau. Um, yeah. And then that's when it comes back down to, you know, making some changes for your body to adapt to this new um, calorie deficit in whatever way you might want to entail. Doing that either may, may be changing what you're eating or exercising a little bit more um, yeah. to cause that calorie deficit. Yeah, I actually recommend exercise to punch through that plateau. So. As you rightly say, you know, once you've lost 10% of your body weight, you know, it's actually your, your body becomes more efficient at actually moving. So you basically burn fewer calories. And lots of people actually think when they hit the plateau, it's actually a failure. Um, I'm not sure if you've met um, client, you know, people who say yeah. they've tried and they've failed, but it's actually not yeah. a failure, is it, Fogo? No, it's not. It's not. It's, it's a physiological process that needs to be identified, recognized and managed. And, and for me, it's a trigger to discuss exercise exercise and fasting they're particularly good ways of breaking through that plateau so f diets for me it doesn't really matter which diet you go for because there's good evidence they all work the same basically for 12 months and then beyond that the evidence and the, the becomes a bit more murky for you know high carb versus sorry uh, low carb versus vegetarianism etc etc um but if you've got specific conditions, you may want to choose a specific diet. So, Savina, how do you go about choosing a diet for a particular person? What are the factors you consider? Okay, so I guess it comes back to when I was talking, the main thing, what is sustainable for the person. Um, so it comes down to, for example, simplistic, very simple cultural and 
cultural differences. Like, you know, for example, me being Indian, you know, there's certain foods that I might enjoy eating. Um, that's something you want to take into account. An Italian might have certain foods they want to eat, which might not suit a diet that they choose. So cultural factors is one of the big thing. Family, um, you know, the rest of the family members that you're cooking for, um, you know, are they going to be adaptable to this change that you are planning to implement? You're not going to be spending time cooking one diet for yourself and another diet for the rest of the family. So finding a diet that suits the entire family is another another factor that I would look at. Um, mm -hmm. And also with coming with that would be social support. So, you know, if you've got friends or family who are all on this in the same boat and they're supportive of this plan, you're more likely to succeed with that diet. Yeah. Another factor would be cost, um, you know, some diets, and I find, and this is a joke that I sometimes make with my patients, you know, yep, going to Macca's and buying a Big Macca's meal is much cheaper than going and buying, you know, healthy foods from the supermarket. But, you know, you've got to think about the long-term cost, you know, on, to, on your health impact. Um, you've got to think about that too. But eating healthy is not exactly the cheapest, but there are different diets that can cater for, you know, someone on a smaller budget. Um, in terms of that. Um, any underlying medical conditions, which we will talk about in the next episode um, with, you yeah. know, the med Mediterranean diet, portfolio diet, another thing. And the last factor I would talk about is genetics. Um, have you heard about nutrigenomics, Virgo? Well, I've, I've heard the term, but I don't really understand it. So would you care to explain that one yeah. to us? Yeah, look, you know, I think it's an evolving field. Um, there are people who specialize in that area and it's a really a new field where they're actually looking at how our body responds to certain foods, just like, you know, for example, pharmacodynamics and pharmacokinetics, like, you know, how drugs in our body interact with each other. The same thing, they're looking at how food interacts with our body and how our body interacts with the food. And, you know, potentially this may have some role down the track, maybe in, you know, a few decades time, but it's an interesting field. Um, I myself don't know much about it. I know the basis of it. It's quite interesting to see how um, it, it, it will evolve because just very, a quick example, keto diet works really well for some, but for some, yeah. it actually can end up causing lots of, troubles with cholesterol and liver failure. And I've seen that firsthand in my patients too. So, you know, and right. I think that comes down to genetics. Yeah. yeah. So what I'm hearing then is, look, you, you've got to be a little bit careful in choosing the diet because not every diet works for every individual. You know, there is variation in, in life. Definitely. Yeah. But... So on that sweet note, I think we'll end it here. And in the next episode, we'll go through the, the diet disease matrix and we'll try and match up some conditions with some diets. Thanks very much, Virgil. That's all for today. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time.